The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. little vacation that we've taken without announcing to anybody that we've taken a vacation um but we took a vacation if you couldn't tell welcome we to vacation, 2022 but we didn't actually go to the bahamas or uh switzerland the swiss alps we took a vacation in the future is what we did that's right the futuristic guy we saw spaceships we saw hovercrafts we saw what are you talking about what do you th- no, we took a future in we took a vacation into the future to a point where Oh, you mean now? Yeah, to a point where everything is backwards, the sky is the ground, the ground is the sky, green is yellow, we eat blue is red, dogs are cats. One um, fish, two fish. Podcasts red are fish, interventions. Blue fish? I am having this podcast with you to discuss a problem that you have that I introduce to you, Beowulf. Me the wolf. Mm-hmm. I introduced this problem to you, thinking that it would be a fun thing that we can do together. And now you have an addiction. You have a problem. I think I know where this is going. You have an uncontrollable addiction to the game Stardew Valley, and I, I'm ashamed to bring this up because I'm embarrassed. I am embarrassed by this. Are you embarrassed for me, or are you embarrassed? Obviously, for you? I'm embarrassed for me. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed for you. Aww. You can have the addiction. It's okay. You can be. You know, in your addiction, I, I I appreciate you and value you so much. But now I feel like I'm competing with a fictional character. Well, listen, listen, listen to anyone. A fictional love to anyone listening who does not know what the great game of the year of our Lord 2022 is. Actually, this game came out a long time ago. I think in 2016. No, well, tw- no. Tw- 2016. Oh, dude? you have the date up. Okay, you're looking on it. Okay, February 20. 20- Wow. 6th 2016 wow. it's a game called stardew valley it's a video game and i happen to play it on my console of choice which is ps5 which people probably are rolling their eyes at traditionally it would be played on a pc which i had originally bought by the way i originally bought the pc game version of this and thought well you know what beowulf has no interest in video games besides uncharted and um the last of us which are both naughty dog games which, are both which i'm a big fan games. of naughty dog games she hated red dead redemption too i know anyone who's i who didn't cares. get very far into it although she everyone tells me they don't understand why it. i wouldn't like it because it's right up my alley so maybe i'll try it again but stardew valley listen it's a simulation in which you can cheat on your significant game. other who's your husband well now? let me let back it up a second <laughs> back it up back it up listen She's developed another love and his name is Elliot. The whole game is you have a farm and you grow things on this farm. You raise animals on this farm and there's a town called. What's the town? (laughs) Pelican, Pelican town, right? I don't know. Is it Pelican town? It is Pelican town. You sure? Yes. Pelican town where you go. And you, it's not Pelican Town. I don't Am I know wrong? what it is. I have no idea. You're shaking your head at me. Are because you just judging me? I, I, I am. I am. 
Anyway, you go and you talk to all the people living in the town. And I happen to have romanced a young author who lives on the beach. His name's Elliot. He has long red hair. And Which is ironic to me. The wolf here has watched no me romance this man yeah. on Stardew Valley. Mm -hmm. And I have now asked him to marry me and wedded him. Mm -hmm. Merely and several months after I wedded wolf he's nothing like me so it's concerning he reminds me of m my favorite actor quote unquote around that entire phrase uh he reminds me of chris evans chris reminds me of chris evans do, do not he reminds me of chris evans he's polished do not he's calculating compare. he's feminine do not he's, compare he, is, he is silly in all the ways in-game stardew valley in-game husband elliot with Chris Evans, that is. I thought you didn't like Chris Evans. I don't. That's why I'm mm, saying, do yeah, not Chris compare a, him. Yeah, guy, guy, Chris Evans is a little concerning. Let me, let me just share my opinions on Chris Evans. They're very controversial, especially amongst uh, many, many out amongst there. Many. In, amongst many. <laughs> amongst all. Uh, he's a great actor. He's really, really good. I, um, I particularly liked him in Knives Out. He had one good role in Knives Out, and then he was Captain America. I think I have a vendetta against Captain America, which stems into Chris Evans. I don't trust him. Yes, he's a good-looking man, but I don't mm. trust him. It, I don't know what it know, is. People, people are boggled by me when I say this, but I don't know. There's something about him. I don't know what it no, is. I, I know what it is. It, it, and he doesn't care about what I think, so it really yeah. doesn't matter. But something no, I know about what it Chris is. Evans. Look, I know what it is. Rubs in Chris, the wrong Chris way. there's a certain type of man boy boy man child boy that exists these days that that kind of exists in that chris evans you know that 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 uh that tiktok thought boy does he even have a tiktok no i don't think he does but his, his demographic kind of exists there look He's i'm sure chris evans TikTok. no but it's the type of it's the type it, there's a very like calculating i'm going to try and anticipate how you want me to see you or how you how i think you see me and should react type of thing that maybe I've seen i just him think do. he's ca maybe calculating is a the good calculating the him. calculating which if i knew it, him on a personal it, basis i might actually respect i don't know no, maybe not uh, well, here's the thing: is I don't want to. He's a quandary I, I to me. I am about, not on. I am not on the Chris Evans bag, well, bandwagon. I don't know anything that. about him, and as a fellow me uh, either. Only male, I liked him in Knives Out, and I don't like Captain America. Yeah, as a fellow male, which I don't really an, know anything about him. Which is him, like but, basically blasphemy these yeah. days to say out loud. Mm -hmm. However, I am. I am not a huge Marvel fan. Well, I've watched interviews with him, and he's he's very. It's just it's one of those things. It, it's it's hard to. It's really hard to formulate the and look. I don't want to know. He's fine. He's Captain America. He's entertaining. Every movie I've watched with him, I've paid money to see. Maybe I like Chris Evans. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, uh, wait a second. Do I wait a sec. like um, Chris Evans? No, I just, I think there's a certain demographic. They're young. You know, they, they, they have the calculating style of things. There's kind of an in, a disingenuine feel about them. You know, they're trying to be who you who they think you want them to be type thing. It, it's, it's weird. I see a lot of Chris Evans is out there. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. um, hey everyone. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull <laughs> podcast. The first episode of 2022. 
Season two of The Wolf and Bull, mm-hmm. starring The Wolf and Beowulf. I'm back. Uh, Again. Uh, and The Bull will be back eventually. There's a lot of uh, personal things going on. Uh, he's been called away um, by the Secret Space Force. Uh, shout out to anyone that I know that knows what that is. It is a real thing, and it is a cult, and it's weird, and I watched a documentary about it today. It is hilarious. Wait, 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 wait. You can't, secret you can't space, just the throw secret that space out there. Force. Oh, we will talk about the Secret Space Force. Um, but, you know, if you like what you, if you like what you hear, uh, go ahead and leave us a like. Uh, you know, we would love for the Wolf and Bull family to grow. Um, you know, Go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. And if you're feeling really nice, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank you so much. And we hope that you enjoy this episode. Now, as the co-host mm-hmm. of the Wolf and Bull, I have made a few co-host executive decisions. Co-host, co-executive decisions. Co-host, co-executive, co-owner decisions. Um, and I think I think it's going to be good for the, the podcast. I think that we are going to kind of get back to our roots. We spent a good portion of last year really talking about, you know, events that are going on and kind of bleeding them in to our, our, our topics. And we're going to still do that on a, a lesser degree. But I feel like and I think and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, Beowulf, I feel like we kind of got caught up in some topics that uh, otherwise could have been tailored in such a way that would have talked about what we originally intended this podcast to be about, which was about discussions of diving into things that people don't think too deeply about, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of giving people insight into something that might be something worth, you know, considering themselves, not telling them how to do anything, not advising them on anything particular, because once again, we may be the most accurate podcast about everything, but this is also an opinion podcast about everything. So, Mm. um, you know, uh, generally in life, I mean, outside of that, you know, I think, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but we're doing pretty good. Things are changing. So. There's a lot going on, a lot of stuff going on in our personal lives that's exciting and big new chapters. And Beowulf has found Elliot, you know, I have she's found my second husband in Stardew Valley. Mail. It's very that's strange. Right. Yeah, it's where we both live on a farm. Actually, in, in game, you and I live on the same farm. And you sleep in my house in my bed. Yes, yeah. in in the Stardew Valley yeah, game, and then Elliot sleeps in my house on yeah. the farm you have a, alone. A live-in simp is what that is called. Yeah, you have a live-in simp. Yeah, he's very yeah. sweet. Well, you know the the bull is doing fine too. We uh, we've I'm sure we've mentioned this. We said he, we said we've moved offices. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Offices with a big quote around that. Um, yeah, we've moved. He's he's in the family. The rest of the pack have uh, moved to the great state of. Uh, canyons <laughs> that's all i could say um and we're considering moving that same direction um obviously going through the process we've been pretty busy but you know now that we've provided that kind of brief update you know we'd love to formally say happy new year merry christmas happy holidays etc whatever holidays you celebrate or don't holidays don't celebrate don't holidays well wow. whatever <laughs> holidays you celebrate or don't celebrate you know we hope you had a great time happy um, holidays everyone listening made it through some people yes. didn't some people didn't but everyone listening did unfortunately the great betty white and bob saget john madden yeah well i mean those are it's sad and it's unfortunate but uh, again those people did great things in their lives and they hopefully lived full lives and you know what um particularly uh well i don't know much about madden but um sorry (laughs) this is that revealing too much uh, very pivotal a pivotal uh in a lot of ways, uh, from the sport for the sport of football, very pivotal. Well, then same same there too. But I was going to say for Betty White and uh, Bob Saget, we've mm-hmm. got some great catalogs of work that we can enjoy, and I know um, hopefully 
generations will. Yeah, and and I, I what's interesting about all this, you know, obviously, you know, uh, those who have passed away, rest in peace. Um, but you know, going into 2022, it really feels like 2022 is, in a lot of ways, 2020 volume three. Um, kind of like this is like a one of those like old. You remember those yeah. like those CD box sets where they had like the greatest hits of some genre, and it was like volume one, volume two, and volume three, and it was like through the time. To- Did you ever see those as a kid? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's we're in like kids bop volume 35 2020 we're in kids bop 2020 volume three um (laughs) so you know beowulf and i have been living in a a relatively interesting state um it's on the west coast Uh, everyone knows we've mentioned it we're in california Uh, and it's seemingly become a a small uh, it's just been strange it feels like we going about normal life in a lot of ways it feels like we're like a, a a a small beacon of normalcy well, luckily, we're um, in a, in a position where we have a little bit of a bubble in our lives, too. We yeah. we both have uh, remote positions at work, and we enjoy, you know, working out, and we enjoy cooking at home, yeah. so so not much has changed there. Um, obviously, we also love to travel, so we mm-hmm. haven't been able to travel much at, in oh, the past it's, couple it's, years. It's a bummer. But, but we're, we're pretty lucky to be in a position mm-hmm. we are in, even though there's a lot going on we're totally uh aware of well, that yeah and look I, I obviously people know who listen to this podcast they know that i have my opinions on things and i i think a lot of what's happening is nonsense um and i don't mean that people can't have their own opinions i don't mean that people can't act the way they want to act i just think that it's it's just interesting the the, the flip of the switch and all of a sudden we are we are back into in a lot early of ways in a lot of ways when i look around it feels like we are we haven't we haven't take we took 10 steps forward and 12 steps backward, it feels like. Oh, we just got in a circle. Yeah. Um, and you know what I wanted to discuss today, uh, a little bit more uh, kind of a, a, meta, a meta discussion today. really want to discuss the topic of fear. I think that a lot of people are, are deep, deep in the deep, deep waters um, of fear. And obviously, you know, I'm not, I just want to preface this whole conversation before we even get into it. I'm in no way am I qualified medicine-wise. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to discuss the, the the medicine behind this. I'm not going to discuss at least in depth. I'm not going to s- discuss the efficaciousness. Uh, frankly, I don't even want to discuss the man the arbitrary mandates um, or the rules because I think that those are all symptoms of the actual problem, which is fear. I think that, uh, and I think that may be worth the discussion today. Um, now, question for you: uh, What what do you what do you? The question for the audience, and then a question you know for my co-host Beowulf. What, what do you know about fear? Wait for the answer from the audience. Okay, they're talking okay, good. out yeah. loud. Three, it's two, like Blue's Clues. One. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, what do I know about fear? Fear is um, internal. Mm-hmm. It is something that I don't think necessarily when you when you hear the word fearless. I personally, from my personal experience, I don't think it's about being fearless. It's just about acting in spite of fear Mm. because i think fear for a lot of people like you know they talk about when you're in school you have the fight or flight syndrome um in the face of fear and a lot of people freeze it's not just fight or flight i think that the the additional one there is Mm -hmm. being frozen and i personally think that's (laughs) My belly's making sound. <laughs> Sorry, that made me laugh. My belly. I personally think that the freeze is one of the more common ones mm-hmm. rather than fight or flight in the face of fear. I feel like a lot of people just paralyze. Yeah. So um, 
for example, something that I have feared, uh, deep water, you know, being deep water in the ocean. You there fear was, deep water? No, no, no. I don't well, I anymore. Do. Yeah, water, deep water, no, dark water. There was a time when Yucky. I was, um, when I was a kid, I didn't really either. I was lucky enough to have a lot of opportunities to swim in deep water, like on vacations and, and in the ocean and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Um, really cool experiences. And then I remember very clearly about maybe about 10 years ago, I was on a boat and we were out far away from the coast and we all jumped in the water. And I very clearly remember swimming around and it was the first time I felt real fear. I was looking around. You're squinting at me, but I, but you was were I, there. Yeah. Was this in... You were there. Was um, this where I think it is? Was... This was... Yeah. This was in... Um, this was in Kauai. Yeah, yeah. And we were on a boat having a really great time. And we were all just swimming around in the like, snorkeling. So I had goggles on. And I remember mm. looking at it at one point. And actually what had happened was I was just stung by a jellyfish. Mm. And so I was in a little bit of pain. It wasn't anything, you know. Do so you think that had more to do with the pain? Or well, I'm wondering more? now because I had never ever before that. And many times I had been in deep water. Had I ever um, felt true fear like a shark's gonna come get me or something like that just something mysterious is out there and it's gonna get me was this wait just clarify that you had just been stung by a jellyfish in the water while feeling the fear or it was no no this was after i was stung by the jellyfish so i was stung by a jellyfish and i was swimming back to the boat Hmm. to get off and what they do is they like spray you down with like a saline solution or Mm -hmm. whatever yeah i was stung on my um my arm and I was swimming back. I was in the water and I was saying like, oh, I got stung. It was really starting to hurt. And so I was with you, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was swimming back to the boat. I had been stung and I was away from everyone all of a sudden. I was on the backside of the boat going towards where the ladder is to climb up. Mm-hmm. And I very clearly remember looking out and not seeing you know, anyone's legs or flippers or anything and just looking out into the deep water to the side of me and there was just nothing yeah and for the first time in my life in the many times i had been in water i felt a real sense of fear just it, it overcame me so suddenly and i don't know if it had something to do with suddenly being alone i hadn't necessarily been alone like that or felt alone or i was already in my, my pain receptors were already kind of kicking in because i was in pain from being stung by the jellyfish but that was the first time I really felt fear. And I didn't panic, which is good. My reaction in that moment was just keep swimming. And I got to the ladder. It was only for like a minute or two. I was swimming by myself and feeling scared. But I just remember it so clearly. And a couple times after that, I've been back in the water just like that many times since. But the first couple times, I was a little nervous. Hmm. But now, as you know, just just a couple of months ago, I was in the same exact position. I felt nothing, nothing like that. Interesting. Well, there's probably some deep rooted psychology that was, there. there. That was a long story, but yeah. that was just the, my initial thought of how fear it, it's it's acting in spite of fear, and it comes and goes. Yeah, and 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 that's that's also coming from a place where I'm not having some like clinically diagnosed phobia. No, you probably do. You definitely. I mean, I, I'm concerned for you now after you told me that story. <laughs> this is 
Well, that is, I think, a real phobia people can Therapist have. Wolf um, speaking with you. And, and, you know, that's a really good point. You make some good points there. Um, and I think pain receptors probably had some to, something to do with that. Um, you know, but interestingly enough, uh, just, you know, segue from that story because it's the likelihood is you probably experienced what you did with the jellyfish and you probably were experiencing some innate version of, of fight or flight. Um, when uh, What's interesting, uh, a lot of people know this. A lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about is kind of, at least I like to think it's general knowledge, but I mean, there's a lot of things I thought were general knowledge over the last <laughs> two years that have just not been general knowledge. Um, but, you know, fear has a lot of survival functions, uh, as many of us know. And over time, you know, it really evolved to protect us in a lot of ways. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, fight or flight being one of the primary reasons why humans have evolved to the point that we have that and opposable thumbs. So, you know, take that dogs and <laughs> cats right raptors and i mean tyrannosaurus rex gorillas have well gorillas they're they're getting, opposable they're thumbs. getting close rip, orangutans rip Haram, monkeys Harambe, rip Harambe. um but unfortunately the side effects of fear can come in many irrational forms um now you can kind of point to uh, could be facetious um we could point to the witch trials of the 16th and 17th centuries uh which i strangely enough uh, have estimates that of but 40,000 to, 40, to 60,000 people were executed for being quote-unquote witches. Um, there's a lot of uh, pop culture jokes about that. Um, and, you know, there's a, a little bit of a, a, an echo of that today, in my opinion, um, which kind of spawned me, you know, spurred me to, to talk about this. Uh, fear really causes a lot of physiological changes that may produce behavioral reactions such as a mounting... Uh, as mounting an aggression, aggressive response or fleeing a threat. So you, in that instance of being you know, stung by the jellyfish, may have felt that you were fleeing a threat of some sort. Um, right. And then my just banking off what you're saying. So think of like evolution, for example. Would mm-hmm. fear be, say, the, the animal that suddenly uh, evolved to have camouflage? Was that an evolution thing because they were fear of being attacked by predators so they because of their fear they evolved over time to protect themselves maybe uh, i Just think a there's thought. a there's a natural response there that i'm sure there was a purpose there innately um biologically for that particular species whatever it may be um i i think that it probably spurred it forward but i think uh, a you know a natural progressive forward evolution you know i guess in natural selection probably also played into that as well you know the ones that mm-hmm. slowly did and then there's obviously i'm probably butchering this there's better scientific explanations for what how i'm saying it but i'm sure it played a part um now you know in humans and in other animals or many animals uh fear is modulated by the process of con- con- cognition and learning so thus fear is judged as rational or appropriate and irrational or inappropriate an irrational fear, as a lot of people know, is called a phobia. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, I wouldn't consider it a phobia for me, but I, I mean, people say, oh, my phobia is this. I just don't like deep water, and I don't mean that in the sense that I am oh, afraid of it. so funny that you said but that. He, well, he, well, you know <laughs> I that. didn't even, well, no, I know, know, but we both know, talked about deep water. I mean it in the sense that, and that's why I was so surprised early on, is I, I mean it in the sense that um, it's not that I don't like deep water. I can jump in and be fine. I don't have that, like, I, I'm not going to have any hesitation. It's just, it's like deep, dark water. If I'm like, if I'm like on a pier and it's night, I don't like looking down into the water, that type of thing. Um, and it would take a lot. I mean, I would do it, but it would probably take a little bit of like pumping me up to like go night, like swimming. Well, and then here's like my question. Diving. Is it, is it the, the, the physical deep water no. or is it, not knowing no neither what would you say it is uh, i would say it's claustrophobic 
like claustrophobic related because in darkness like you can't really see and with the pressure under the water i'm already relatively uncomfortable with that and then mixing it with darkness so you're you would say it even coincides with the fact that the like molecules of water pressing against your body is what's making you uncomfortable i would think so and obviously there's a lot of medical like i mean from you know my birth obviously there's i was gonna say there's there's some psychology there there, i'm sure with with your birthing story yeah so and i I said birthing story isn't he didn't give birth (laughs) when he was birthed yeah no um and there's that's a story for another day but yeah i think that probably plays into it um Mm. now Again, I wouldn't consider it a phobia of mine. I would just consider it like the only thing that I really like when I think of things that I don't like, like fear wise, like I would probably say that like I don't have a problem with spiders, don't have a problem with heights, don't have a problem with, uh, I really don't have actually actually a real problem with claustrophobic spaces, honestly. Like I don't have a problem with that at all. It just happens to be that particular thing just makes me a little unsettled. Hmm. Um, Now, fear is closely related to the emotion anxiety, which doesn't surprise, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, And that occurs as a result of threats that are are perceived or to be uncontrollable uncontrollable or unavoidable i cannot talk today uh the fear response serves survival by engendering appropriate behavioral responses so it has been preserved throughout evolution now that ties into what you just mentioned you know behavioral responses responses in relation to animals like camouflage probably ties into that Mm -hmm. um now sociological and organizational research also suggests that individuals fears are not solely dependent on their nature but also are shaped by their social relations relations and culture, which guide their understanding of when and how much fear to feel. Um, now, interestingly enough, fear is sometimes considered the opposite of courage. However, that's not true. That's a fallacy. Um, because courage is the, a willingness to face adversity, fear is an example of a condition that makes the exercise of courage possible. So it's more like right. a, a precursor. Um, now, when logic plays into it, courage in a decision or action made despite of or impromptu of fear um, of course, circumstances and context need to be applied to determine this. Um, but, you know, that type of situation is kind of what we were discussing earlier. You know, it's, it's doing something in spite of that fear. Now, there are a few different fears, um, one of which being uh, innate fear. And that's triggered by, you know, predators, uh, pain, heights, rapidly approaching objects, and ancestral threats such as snakes and spiders. So that would be like, yeah, like getting you said, ancestral, like just, yeah, getting yep. stung by a jellyfish. Painful. Mm-hmm. The avoidance of pain. I mean, that is... And that plays into the, the you know, the various chemicals within your brain and how you react to a scenario. Yeah, uh, like I, I could, like this is my body reacting to possibly injuring or killing myself. Well, that's how panic like that. comes into right. Play. I don't want to die, so yeah. this I don't want to encounter. Which and this. that's it's interesting enough that I'm sure there's been plenty of studies of you know how people, um, how people uh, you know respond to panic. I'm sure there's plenty of studies on you know what, what levels of certain chemicals in your brain imply. Uh, you know, I guess induce that. And how much of that is is truly like the caveman in you? A lot, probably. Right. A lot of it. Um, and now in addition to innate fear, there is learned fear, um, fear that can be learned through indirect or through direct experience with a threat, but it also can be learned via social means such as verbal warnings or observing others, which is learned fear. Now (laughs) you, you, you got about a COVID going on. Take the blanket (coughs) off. The blanket's getting you all allergic. Take it off. It may look like me. That's probably why. It's a wolf blanket. We got a wolf blanket for Christmas, and Beowulf decided to cover herself. Literally, got a tickle know, in my throat. I'm she's, sorry. She's allergic to animal I'm hair. I'm COVID-free. Yeah. Don't worry. Well, that doesn't matter. You could be asymptomatic. No one knows. 
COVID's out there. It's everywhere. Um, it's in the skies and the molecules, and it's always on the hunt for all of us. It's, uh, it's like it's like Michael Myers standing there, and you're running away. You're sprinting, and That'd he's just walking meme. towards you. It's probably is a meme already. You're running away, and he's just walking. You can't get away from him. Probably um, a meme. Or COVID. Um, so, you know, the problem with both of those fears is that they can be easily manipulated, which makes them problems. Uh, humans... We, because I speak of us in third person, I'm a human. I may refer to my, I identify as a wolf, but I may, I'm a human, damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, God, I sound like your grandpa there. You did. Oh, geez. He's rubbing off on me. <laughs> That's an unfortunate <laughs> phrase. Um, so I guess the, the real, the real thing is uh, thinking, putting together these notes and kind of reading this and looking over it as I was doing it. A lot of this is really interesting because, you know, a lot of this being an innate fear and learned fear when they merge together creates an almost super conglomerate, dare I say, almost like a super power ranger, mega morphing ranger, like what they did in the show where they got all together, all the power rangers I just never morphing. watched the show. Dead air. You never saw an episode of Power Rangers. No, never. Sorry. I'm just going to gloss over this. I'm not even going to talk about that. Uh, I'm, Will that be a conversation for later? No. not even. I'm going to pretend you didn't even say it. So <laughs> now with all these like interconnections of fear, be it innate and learned, especially within humans, uh, it's a uniquely difficult problem to overcome. Um, now, you know, as chemical, it's a chemical that invades almost every sense. Um, it weakens our immune system. There's been studies that show it weakens the immune system. It can cause cardiovascular damage, um, gastrointestinal problems such as ulcers and IBS. If anyone knows, mm. IBS is uh, inter in, in, internal in, intestinal bowel. Irritable bowel syndrome. Thank you. I was going to say intestinal bowel I was going to say intense bowel syndrome. Yes, irritable bowel syndrome. suffer from that every day. Uh, and decreased fertility. Now, these studies are according to a few studies from the University of Minnesota. So I did only source one singular option here. So please take this with a grain of salt. Um, it also can lead to acceleration of aging and premature death and probably premature other things. Um, fear also impacts formation of long-term memories and causes damage to certain parts of the brain, such as the hippocampus. This can make it even more difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. To someone in chronic fear, the world looks scary and their memories confirm now. Confirm that. Now let's talk about 2020 volume three. <laughs> After reading all of those things, and this is something that I look, I'm not I'm not angry. I'm not irritated because I'm past, past those things. I think at a certain point in time, we all need to collectively, and by we, I mean everybody, needs to collectively evaluate themselves. And some people, and we've talked about this, I've talked about this with a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people who are not in the echo chamber of fear have probably seen this in real time. Uh, some people are uh, probably past, far past gone. You can't come, you can't convince them to come back. Um, but all of that sounds a lot like your innate fear response and your learned fear response have been manipulated. That's what mm -hmm. it sounds like. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be cautious. I'm not saying we shouldn't have these, you know, these decisions personally. I'm saying that there has been a oversaturation on behalf of mainstream media, on behalf of our politicians, on behalf of social media, on behalf of a lot of medical institutions, uh, a lot of institutions that concern themselves with being trustworthy, non-biased institutions. There's been an oversaturation of fear 
that has perforated and permeated throughout society. Um, and it's alarming. And the problem with all this is, you know, when we inundate ourselves with the ourselves with these things, and I'm not saying that you can't pay attention to news. I'm not saying you can't listen to these things. I'm not suggesting, frankly, anything. I'm suggesting that when one inundates themselves with one particular thing, they become you just it, it just they become in in enraptured with that particular thing. I think they become more than enraptured. They become radicalized one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I think that's the clear, the, the clear direction that has been taken on both sides of the political aisle, specifically the past now almost, you know, well, well, two years. Yep. And year three. And, um, it's truly a shame because, because I know some people there's, you can find positives in every situation. Like you can find negatives. However, personally, it has been difficult to watch people around me who I respect and care about a lot and still do and, and think are very smart people on either side of this political spectrum, radicalizing so deeply um, that they, but the they, they, they have a almost hatred. Well, but, but I think, I think the problem is, is I agree with you, but I think you're, you're taking it to that next step. I think the problem for both sides is truly fear. No, and, I'm and, agreeing and, and, with and, you. And, it's, and, it's, it's it, the hatred stems from the fear. Well, you don't understand. And so I guess my, my point here is it's like if I walk into a store without a appropriate facial protection. And so you're not can, wearing can, a K95 mask, or I, I am. Depends on who. It depends on who we talk to. Uh, yeah, if I don't have one on, to that person, I am wearing appropriate facial protection. It's right. called my immune system. To the other person who doesn't agree with it, it's called the KN95 or an N95 yeah. or prior to Rochelle Rochelle Walensky. God, her name is a tongue twister. Uh, letting the cat out of the bag this weekend. Uh, prior to you know that cloth max masks or you know I don't know a net gator or a t-shirt were appropriate. Um, so I guess. For our listeners, just just remove the bias. Just think about this from a logical perspective. Depending on who I'm talking to or who I'm looking at, and what if I walk into a store and you're there, I am or I am not wearing the appropriate facial protection. And in my opinion, this is a learned fear. People look at that and say, oh my God, well, you, you could possibly kill someone. Well, on the reverse side of that thing, doing... I'm trying to tread on thin ice here. Wearing or not wearing a mask has the same effect to the mental recognition of wearing or not wearing a mask um, as either. I know it's confusing, but it's the same effect. If I walk into right. a group of people who have a mask on and I'm not <laughs> wearing a mask, it's a, a, a fear of, oh my God, he could kill us all. And if I walk into a group of people who are not wearing masks and I'm wearing a mask, I walk in and they say, oh my God, he's a communist. Yeah, it, right. it's so there's there's and I'm not saying either is incorrect. They could both be true. That's They're what's so funny about this. It's now um, exactly because so it's because it doesn't even it doesn't really truly doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't because matter because we're all out of the there house. There are plenty of people who are one way politically who mm -hmm. do or don't do one of those things that is not the norm well, on their political spectrum. Well, but the funny thing is, is we're also all out of the house. And I've made this discussion right. with you, Beowulf. Uh, we've had this discussion all the time. You know, if this was what everyone's made it out to be on either end, mm -hmm. we'd all be at home. Well, and I think back to 
personally in our in our story of this whole thing which is you know not the most impressive or interesting story at all but i clearly remember um us being in a very particular state of mind in the beginning of all this Mm -hmm. and well uh, i it's changed for us well i I had always and I, i would like to think you were the same it was a very apprehensive caution Um, at least for us early on Mm -hmm. and i think the problem that i'm seeing and this is what we're discussing this is i'm seeing people who were initially maybe there who have been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and have and on both ends and haven't taken the time to critically evaluate why they are where they are in their personal opinions look um we're two years almost three years into this with whatever and i I said i wasn't going to speak about medicine so i'm not um a lot of people have passed. A lot of people have passed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have caught it and been fine. Mm-hmm. So that, there's, there's no lie there. Show me the lie. On the end of the thing, we're about three years into this. A lot of ridiculous things have happened politically. Uh, America's not on its knees. We're not dead. No. And, and, and there's a lot of alarmism. And that alarmism is a learned fear. And, and I don't mean it in the sense that we can't have alarmist responses to something some like if your house is on fire you probably should have a collected alarmist response you probably should leave your house Mm -hmm. not freak out but you should be you know moving don't like you know take your time um and i wouldn't say america's on fire we're close but i wouldn't say we're on fire and we've been close before um now obviously in past podcast episodes i've had you know, pretty hyperbolic statements, and I will probably continue to have that just because you know things change with disclaimer. You know, well, canine emotions all the time. That's why I'm you have up a and down. I'm wagging my tail, okay. and I'm not. Um, and you know, the thing about fear specifically in this instance, this learned fear, be it innate or learned or a combination of both, which I think is the case. You know, it negatively affects brain processing and reactivity. So you know, it interrupts processes in our brains that allow us to regulate emotions. You know, read nonverbal cues, which obviously with a mask on your face, you can't read nonverbal cues. That takes the cue out. Of, you can't read someone's emotions. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing. With, with someone with a mask on their face, they're going to be unlikely to pay attention to your facial emotions because they think that you, you should be doing something that they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's for rule, you know, abidement or for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, other information presented to us is, is skewed by um, this this type of, you know, reactive fear um you know ref- people need to reflect before acting and they can't do that when they're fear in fear and they they can't act ethically mm-hmm. which is a problem um now this impacts our thinking and decision making in negative ways leaving us susceptible to intense emotions and impulsive reactions all of those effects can leave us unable to act appropriately now follow me on a interesting little mind path mm-hmm. if for I'm following. three years the alarm bells of everyone will die have been going off while simultaneously the alarm bells of democracy will die going off. People are going to fall subject to it. Right. They're going to become inundated with these things if they don't take the comprehensive uh, analysis portion of what we should do during a, you know, uh, an instance of this very highly tailored learned fear. They don't, if they don't take that comprehensive analysis portion of, um, into the equation risk analysis, then they get wrapped up in this echo chamber of, you know, last week we were fine and we're out of it, and next week we're gonna die. It's a pendulum shift 100%. over and over and over, shift and swing over and over and over well, it's again. It's fascinating because we see it in real time in California, specifically California. We, we see do. it in real time. I, I, I think 
to a degree everywhere. But yes, it is. Not it is significant. It is definitely spotlight. Uh, it's a spot. Uh, spot <laughs> spotlighted. Yeah. Here. That was good. Thank you. Um, it's it's just you have to ask where where do we draw the line mm. anywhere it doesn't feel like we do but when it comes to the fear involved in every aspect of this what what is a healthy amount of fear um okay i'm walking on a tightrope across two two buildings very high up I'm like 50 stories up mm-hmm uh you hear this you hear this example all the time most people would say i I don't want to do it or maybe the craziest of all yeah i'll hold a i'll hold a a thing and balance and go very slow Mm -hmm. and then you say oh you know the person you love most has a gun to their head on the other side and 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 if you don't walk across right now a lot of people would do it a lot of people wouldn't make it and a lot of people still wouldn't go because they're so scared. Well, so what degree of fear is being involved here? I think the Especially problem... with, with people who, people as in children who have grown up in this and literally know no different. Well, I think the problem, and look, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak to the children thing because I, I, I'm not I know that's a whole kids. rabbit we hole. We don't have kids. And we don't and have I don't kids, exactly. Speak to the children thing. Um, now, I think <laughs> I, you make a good point. The problem, I think, is that the point you're making is is not a, a cyclical quandary that is 2020 the point you're making is a pretty pretty relativistic point you you're you understand you're on two scra- you're on a skyscraper you have to make it from point a to point b there's one way but you then under- the- wait a sec you understand that there's a height you understand that there's if you fall from that skyscraper you will die there's a lot of things if someone has a gun you understand what the end of that is there's a lot of things that tell you a lot of information the problem with this particular volume three of 2020 is that people don't know so the people are more likely to be afraid of what they don't understand. And they don't know and what's in front of them. They don't know they what's in front of them with this. Do this or that. Or Whatever this is has been made out to be a boogaboo, uh, you know, beyond measure. It is it, it, become a, a, a almost a, a fictional an, a antagonist to everyone's life. It feels like and there's this question of what do you care about more? Well, but that's not a real question. The possibility of living or the possibility of that's not a real question. American purpose. That's there's, not a question. Well, I know, yeah. but that's sort of what I would say either side politically is pushing but, but for. But the problem is that question's assuming that you don't care about one or the other. Right, which is and not the not a fact. No, well, it's but not it's, true. Whether that's a fact or not, the point is For most you, people I would think it's not true. But you can't take that premise with somebody. If you're asking them an honest question, you can't assume something. You have to ask them an honest question. If you say, well, you know, well, do you not care about democracy? You're implying that they don't. If they don't answer the way that you want them to. Or do you right. not care about safety? You're implying that they don't if they don't agree with your premise. I think it, So it, it, the you, problem is that it's we've America has gotten itself into a pickle, a real big pickle, because there are not a lot of ways you can break out of this cycle of how can I say this kindly stupidity. There's not a lot of ways you can break out of this cycle of stupidity on both ends, um, because you can't convince someone of something that they don't want to believe. There's a very clear and obvious, and it is painfully painfully clear on both sides there is a very clear and obvious opinion on both sides i'm not saying both sides are everybody there's always a middle there's always reasonable 
but there's two opposing groups here that are discussing two separate things and neither of them want to sit down and realize that what they're afraid of is uh is something they can't even formulate because you know i've had conversations with people politically where they're like well you know communism socialism they're afraid uh, we should be afraid of them i agree there should be a healthy form of skepticism of, of both but again that argument is a preface on what i understand about communism and socialism historically a lot of people may not understand that um and granted i haven't experienced it firsthand i've been to places that have i've seen the effects of it now how do you express that from a medical standpoint to someone about something that they if they catch they don't know they have it and if they do catch it's for a lot of people a lot of vast majority of people and this is not a statement of what happens this is an observation that has been stated by multiple multiple outlets and a personal observation well from... but yeah but i want to clarify this is not me saying one thing or the other it's just me making an observation a lot of people have passed this is something that's dangerous a lot of people have also lived mm-hmm. so you can't have this discussion like 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 the preface of questions you made a second ago valid point description that you made a second ago very valid but the problem is that you can't apply it to this because this is a step past that. This is like saying, imagine you're on two skyscrapers, but both skyscrapers are invisible. You don't know which one you're on and you have to get on a tightrope and walk across, but you don't know where the tightrope is. And you're one of your family members who you can't see is on the other skyscraper because it's shrouded in clouds and you don't know how far away it is. And someone's going to kill them and you don't know whether they're going to kill them or not. And in fact, there's a possibility that if you walk off the skyscraper that you're on, because you can't even see that you're on the skyscraper, if you walk off of it, you may not land on the tightrope. That makes the equation way different because there's no answer that you could sounds give to like somebody. Sounds like Squid Games. It does. <laughs> it sounds like, and it sounds it's it sounds like a a, a uh, unfalsifiable premise, and that's that's yeah. that's that's the problem. Is this whole thing has become an unfalsifiable premise, which even further impacts the fear issue. Um, now, I really think that our society is suffering from an overload of trauma, like fear, trauma. I, I mean, personally be it with undealt issues, dealt with issues or inherited trauma, which from, I don't know if you know what that is, but inherited trauma is uh, from events that never happened to you. Um, uh, a simple way to imagine that is someone, you know, claiming repercussions from historical injustices or events. Now, not to say that it doesn't exist. Right. But, but there just, is there is an aspect there. You're that, finding identity, your, your, your identity is kind of rooted in, in, um, in not rooted, but you, you well, claim some identity and some atrocities that happened to well, let me let me let me use your example of the being stung by a jellyfish. This is a very very basic example. So I'm not trying to. This is not me saying anything about anybody's inherited trauma if they have any. But this is like you when we have little pups. Um, it's like you telling our little pups over and over that every time they consider going to the ocean, you always bring up the trauma that you have with and jellyfish. They're suddenly scared, and of it jellyfish. becomes a major thing. That they think whenever they're going to go into the ocean, they're going to deal with a massive jellyfish. And from the jellyfish that was likely very small or may have even been just a piece of a jellyfish, the mm-hmm. jellyfish that was small or a piece of it becomes this gigantic leviathan. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what it looks like, but they know it's there. And and that's the whole problem. The possibility our... of getting stung by a jellyfish. No, no, no. The possibility of potentially thinking that they may be stung by a jellyfish is the problem even though the possibility of getting stung by a jellyfish is just as high as it any uh, otherwise would have been anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like an ethereal version of that. And that's kind of what inherited trauma is. Now, uh, I'm not to say, I'm not suggesting that, you know, traumas 
can't be inherited because I believe they can in some ways. Uh, I'm just merely suggesting that as of today, you know, the studies that surrounding surrounding that, um, whether you can indirectly experience inherited trauma, tend to verge on a little bit of pseudoscience. And I don't mean that in the sense that they couldn't be possible because science changes. It's not. It's dynamic. It's not static. Um, but I believe that the fear. It's an. It's an entirely and trauma are entirely subjective things. Just like pain, they're relative to the individual that's experiencing them. So if I say my pain threshold, like if you ask me how that felt, I'll say on a scale of one to ten, uh, six. To you, that could be a ten. So there's no way to directly correlate those particular pain thresholds, and that's why it's really hard to quantify. It's kind of like uh, when you talk about wealth comparative wealth, like comparing wealth from the past to today, we can kind of do it to a point, but past a certain point, you can't do it because there's no relative comparison because the, the, the transitioning of value changes over time to such a degree that it's like, ah, okay. I mean, the cloth that existed, you know, that was traded in the Mediterranean for, you know, salt and gold, it does not have the same value today because at that time they didn't have the, 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 the access to it that we do. Um, so I, it's kind of a similar example, I guess, but uh, you know, the medical now, I guess you know, people have a habit of trying to convince each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in doing so they convince themselves, right? So, you know, if I'm convincing you of, you know, something that is something that I believe that is psychologically true to me to trying to convince you, I'm then reaffirming by convincing you that it's psychologically true to me, whether it may have happened or not. And a lot of people just want to be polite in those kind of conversations. And they say, you know, instead of saying, well, I disagree, they, you know, I can see where you're coming from. Well, or I, you're, you're, well, consider it your position is due to your experiences in life that m- many others may not have had. So how often are we having fears that no one else can really relate to because they just haven't had your same experience. But the problem though, though, is that me relating to you with a fear in turn by you listening is you relating back to me and you're more likely to try and understand. So you're validating that fear. So in listening and understanding and confirming you're validating and then you are more likely to believe whatever fear narrative that is and then further potentially believe whatever may be relative to your own life in relation to that. So if I say, you know what, Billy, he was a real dick to me the other day. He's totally mean and I don't like him. And, you know, I just think he's an asshole and I'm afraid of Billy because I think he's going to kick my ass. And I say that and you say, oh, I'm sorry, he went through that. And then you think and you say, well, you know, I did have a really weird conversation with Billy the other day and he seemed kind of antagonistic. That starts building up a concern from that perspective, from your perspective to that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So and and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that those are entirely scientific evaluations or not this is my opinion or understanding of it but again i think that in relation to our society that similar thing is going on so people are saying like i've heard so many stories uh in relation to everything be it from riding a motorcycle to catching the unknown thing that we will not discuss in deep detail to falling off of a cliff to you know dying in some ridiculously tragic way i've heard uh, so many relative statements of oh well so and so did that and those are those statements are made, I think, as I get older, I think those statements are made in a way to try and relate in a way that you care about somebody, you care about their well-being, you want them to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. But in doing so, what you're doing is you're perpetuating an overindulgence of potential overload of risk analysis for that particular thing. It would be like as if every time someone you someone around you got in a car, you would be like, 
I know someone who got in a car accident or and died. you ride a motorcycle. Whoa. Yeah, I hear like, that it, one like, all the time. Uh, well, yeah, I do too because mm-hmm. I do. And, mm-hmm. and <laughs> low-key flex. Um, no, <laughs> I, I mean it in the sense that like I hear that every time I tell someone to ride a bike. And it doesn't change anything for me. And the reason I say that is because I, I understand the danger of it. <laughs> yeah. like, just like you understand the danger of the car. You wouldn't get in a car if you didn't understand the danger of it. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, All of it's dangerous. Well, and, But that's what's so funny about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is cause it's dangerous have, to walk outside. Well, but but follow me. You're right. But follow me there. Is 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 It's so ironic. It's paradoxical because we're talking about this ethereal thing that no one understands. It's been so convoluted. No one understands. No one can fucking follow where this is going. I, I have my suspicions, but I don't want to make this a, a you know, a, a antagonistic podcast. I want to be open and reasonable. Uh, I, no one can follow where this goes. No one knows how to handle it. That's plain and simple. That is the standard right now. It has been the standard from the beginning of 2020 to 2020 volume three. We still don't know. And because of that, as you say, you could be a risk of anything. Well, people don't understand it still. So they still are like, well, yeah, but I've got to take precautions of some sort, even if those precautions do or don't work. Mm-hmm. You get my point? Mm-hmm. Is it's kind of like, it's like when, and it's really hard to formulate this. It's really hard to talk about this because it's such a, a just a just a fucked scenario. Because there's so many things that have gone wrong. So many things across the board, left, right, up, down. Everything has gone wrong on this. Because we don't, you you cannot accurately control this. And I know people think we can. I, I hate to break it to you. We can't. We can't. Maybe one day we will be able to. But not but at as this of rate. right now, it doesn't look yeah. like it. I mean, I think anyone can look around well, right now as of today and you, say, yeah, we, we're not controlling it. You'd think. But again, you know, there's always people who are going to disagree. A so. lot of people. And that's okay. And and now I think the interesting thing, if we, we go further down this path, there are a lot of parties that find the confusing of mass populaces via fear very very incentivizing um now i'm gonna say a lot of broad stroke things so prepare yourself the medical and pharmaceutical interest industries specifically make huge bucks off of you believing that you're chronically x be it sick you know depressed you know uh you know be it be it anything anything under the sun and you know so you know why would they suggest that you're not i mean just think about this logically why would an industry that has made in any industry, be it a car, be it politics, why would an industry that claims to have your best interest at heart ever tell you that you don't need them? They wouldn't. They simply would not. And not to suggest anything about the pharmaceutical and medical industries, I have plenty of family members that work in those industries. Most of the people working with those industries have your best interest at heart. They care about you. They care about people do no harm. I'm a firm believer of that. With that being said, it would be obtuse of me to suggest that there is no alternative incentive mm-hmm. and when it comes to this this learned fear this incentive of fear be it innate or learned um you know you can you can cue to the massive amount i mean a great example is the massive amount of individuals who admit to taking regular medication just 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 let just think about this openly for example as of 2018 13 percent of adults use antidepressants not to suggest that's bad not, but not to imply anything that they shouldn't. I'm not suggesting any of these people do not have issues. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm suggesting is that some of those people in that group, by the law of uh, large numbers or outliers, may not need those things, but are told that they do. And 
you know, these numbers, I can't imagine they have gone down with whatever this is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure with the, the, the pandemic and this change of the things, I have to imagine the abuse of this industry is it, it, risen drastically. I mean, a plain example is the opioid uh, uh, epidemic. Mm-hmm. That is an epidemic. That, that, that it's, it's terribly tragic. And I guess my point in, in saying all these things and discussing this is, is saying that this learned innate fear, this, this, this fear, be it real or not, this trauma, be it real or not, be it, it, it is something that is indirect or direct, leads to areas that, that are irreversible, right? Um, now, I would say a lot of this kind of makes sense from a logical perspective. If you really think about it, you take the time to think about this. Um, in a lot of ways, it cultivates a victim mentality. And I think that also plays, again, into this, this echo chamber of fear that I'm discussing. So you got someone who experiences something terrible, scares the shit out of them. A, they, they have an, a, an innate fear instance. It triggers, you know, it's triggered by predators or pay, pain, right? So you, you get in an accident, you get hurt, mm-hmm. innate fear. You saw someone pass away, you get hurt, you're afraid of cars. And then everyone that talks to you reaffirms that cars are dangerous. So you have a learned fear, a cultural fear. You mm-hmm. learn that. And then you realize that some people in your family, they had, they had died in cars. You learned that before. And then it reaffirms that cars are dangerous. So there's three reaffirming instances there. And then finally, finally, after all that, you realize, well, I'm a victim of that. I'm a victim of the, the auto manufacturer. I'm a victim of the driver. That may be true, but that yeah. is a fourth indicator, a fourth reaffirming factor in fear, f- formulating this almost indestructible ideology surrounding that particular instance. Now, I guess, again, this is opinion. Don't take this as as gospel. I'm not a I'm not a trained I am not a trained psychologist or doctor. Okay, so this is just my opinion, but this is how I see this, and this is what I think is happening currently when it comes to specific things. Um, now, just for those who don't know what a victim mentality is, uh, I'm going to give you a, a brief definition. It's an inquired personality trait in which person tends to recognize or consider themselves as a victim of a neg- of negative actions related to others and to behave as if this were the case in which in the face of contrary evidence such as circumstances so a prime example if we want to learn if we want to utilize if we want to utilize uh real world examples we have a ton of them available at our fingertips a ton Mm -hmm. like we we are our control group is massive so you know there's 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 that it's just it's it's interesting because i think this is all this is all formulate. This is all pushing in a direction that I don't think it allows us to break out of. As I said earlier, it's very difficult to pull yourself out of this. Um, now, in relation to victim mentality, as of 2022, I believe it's at the tippy top of hierarchy when it comes to power structures. Uh, if you don't believe me, think about whether you can criticize someone who's labeled themselves as a victim in some uh, in some way without being labeled a bigot. I don't think there's any way to do it. Uh, not successfully. Or victim blamer. If you're trying to criticize and correct, I don't think Mm-mm. you can do it these days, at least on social media. Well, you're I, don't th- going... I don't think you do it at all. No, not even at all. I mean, the bottom line is when someone claims that something or someone has wronged them, you're expected to show sympathy and support. Yeah. but Regardless let's... of any other factor involved and the in, problem, though... or anything else that's going on that has no relation to that, mm-hmm. but still makes uh, it, it, it it's sort of like... Well, and doing so validates. Doing that validates right. immediately. 
And and the bottom line, I think we all need to realize is while we all have been victims of something terrible in some aspect in our lives, we've also been perpetrators of something terrible well, to somebody else. It doesn't matter it, who we are. Would it not be a logical fallacy, fallacy to only, you know, assume that the perpetrator is the perp and not the victim? Wouldn't that be a logical fallacy? Because this, because here's the thing is it's logical it's equally logical to ensure that the victim isn't abusing the naivety or well-being of everyone else. And that's the same issue. And this is the problem, again, with these narratives that are going around these days, especially in relation to fear. Like, it, the the argument is, well, oh, how could you not be afraid? How, how, how what, there's people dying. The, the, so many people died. You could die. You could get sick. How could you not? And then you say, well, yeah, but you just not question the person telling you this? I mean, that's the thing that I guess I get so wrapped up in with this is that there comes a certain point for me personally. And this is just, again, my opinion. This is just my opinion. So please take it with a grain of salt. I question people in authority by virtue of the fact that they're an authority. That is just my personality type. Not to say that I don't question their, I'm not to say that I don't believe what they're saying, but to say that I don't believe everything they say wholeheartedly. You could be the president of the United States, walk up to me and tell me something, and I'm going to be skeptical of what you're telling me if I think those are an alternative motive. Could be wrong. But at least I wasn't fooled. And that's how I take position on things. Um, I was just, it, it, I just took a wrong position in that case. I wasn't duped. I don't like being duped. And, I, you know, I think there's plenty of political incentive these days to claim victimhood. And I think politicians do it. I mean, look at, look at uh, AOC recently. She's caught the Rona. And now everyone's making fun of her, at least from one side of the aisle, because a week or a half ago, she was down in Florida without a mask. And she criticized the party that was criticizing her for not wearing a mask because she's been so pro-mask on this, pro-vaccine, pro-mask. They were criticizing her for it. And they said, she said they just want to date her. So now they're all criticizing, well, she, you know, the Rona probably just wants to date you. That doesn't solve anything, one. And two, it's funny. It is very funny. But that, that's, that she's claiming victimhood now because of that. And that's almost like an impervious, it's almost like an impervious position because of what's going on. Now, uh, there's little to no repercussions at all, in my opinion, when it, when it comes to whether you were incorrect about your beliefs as a victim. See, everybody that, went around, that has gone along with everything with this, be it you and I, because we did initially, everyone, every single person is guilty of something with this. Every single person. And as time goes on, the truth will come out things will change our perspective on things will change and i can guarantee you i will bet my entire the amount of money i've made today i would be willing to put that on every single person who has adamantly been involved with this on later on if it's not in vogue saying they were involved in it not taking responsibility i can absolutely guarantee that will be the case there will be no apologies there will be no hey we fucked up with this there will be no i was wrong they will just shift the pendulum and that includes people in power that includes organizations and that includes everyday Joes because no one wants to be wrong. I get it. I don't want to be wrong. No one likes being wrong. But when it comes to fear, people don't like being wrong because they're afraid of the repercussions associated with the fear and whatever right. they were wrong about. Right. And it, it's... Because it doesn't just become fear of, you know... Fear of judgment. Getting sick, fear, yeah, fear, fear of, of dying. You're suddenly fear of being the mm -hmm. black sheep, fear of being alone, fear of being ostracized, fear mm -hmm. of being judged, fear of being um, berated, fear Which, of being... surprise, surprise, every single one of these people 
was also afraid of that and that's why they did certain things or how about even fear of being unsure fear of not of indecision mm -hmm. and that's and that's the problem with all this is this fear it, it's irrational because to be afraid of indecision or to be afraid of the unknown is irrational it's going to happen to you anyway well here's the thing isn't the fear of indecision just a quandary because if you're scared of being indecisive then typically you're impulsive which means you would want to just make a decision on the fly and stick mm -hmm. with it no matter what yep or you're someone who just lives in that indecision because you're so scared of what you're going to do. Well, what it does, and again, I want to make sure this is applied equally to both sides, is it creates a, an incorrect perception of reality. Mm -hmm. Now, people say, well, reality is subjective. Yes and no. There are universal truths that we can all collectively agree on. So there is a certain degree to where we can bring this. Because when I, when I have conversations, I've had conversations with a bull. I don't agree with him in this area. He, And I don't think, he, I think he plays devil advocate, devil's advocate a lot with me with this. I don't agree that re reality is entirely perception. I don't agree. I think that that has been a argument that has been misinterpreted and abused past a certain point to utilize uh, and push arguments in um, favor of complete and total uh, rejection of responsibility. I think that is a major push for that. That's why, you know, perception is reality. So my reality, my truth. I don't have to have any responsibility associated with those things. Now, granted, that's probably an entirely different topic. Um, but I, I guess, you know, in relation to 2020 Volume 3's favorite pastime, uh, the, the, the reality of the circumstance is definitely been, it's definitely been skewed. And, you know, it plays, it, it plays into this like anti-heretical zealotry that we see um, that's been displayed over the past two years. You know, people, people having this absolute devotion to an idea um, or an ideology without con concerning themselves with whether or not it's gone too far or whether they're incorrect because right. the, the appropriate response to a lot of this stuff is to sit and wait for the truth to come out and to be apprehensive, to be cautious, but not to be radicalized. That's I not think, the point. But how long are people willing to put their lives on hold? Mm -hmm. Well, apparently a lot of people are willing to do it indefinitely. Yeah. And that's right. the concern because that's what the problem is. When you brought up the skyscraper, you know, the fear, the, the, the anecdote there, again, that's a lot of like, like you can get rid of the fear there if you tell the person, oh, and by the way, it's a VR simulation. Well, or you were you were giving the example where it's foggy, right? They can't see the other side. And so many people are just waiting for the fog to clear. And it's just we're, the it fog's clear. not clearing. The fog's not going to clear. So you've got the clock is ticking. The fog's not clearing. You got to make well, a decision. This ties into maybe uh, a more of our conversation because uh, with fear, with this this innate innate fear and this learned fear this uh you know this rational or irrational fear comes other problems um a few of them being groupthink group shift and the recently google censored mass formation psychosis which i i don't want to talk too much about that because i think that there is a theory there that is a little bit early on in its stages and i'd rather stick specifically with things that have been historically proven and discussed be it groupthink group shift and mass hysteria which is similar to mass formation uh, psychosis groupthink uh, for those of you that don't know is a phenomenon that occur phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals reaches a consensus without critical reasoning or evaluation of the consequences or, or alternatives groupthink is based on a common desire not to upset the balance of a group or people now if that goes to a higher degree it can evolve into group shift it can play into group shift which is a phenomenon in which the initial positions of individual members of a group are exaggerated toward, toward a more extreme position. In a group, people are more likely to exhibit 
uh, a slight preference towards riskier decisions as the risk is divided among the group members rather than the born by the rather than born by the individual. So it's kind of like if you're in a situation with a group of people and something goes catastrophically wrong with one of the individuals, there is a, a group shift towards doing something that benefits the collective as opposed to the individual because there's a, a, a preference towards a risk in that instance, whether it's ethical or unethical because you're in that group, right? And it, and mixed with group shift is a terrible concoction because there's no rationalization of consequence. It's just a form for a, a going down the path and no one's going to consider it. And now, again, both of these things, I think, play into the bigger problem, which is mass hysteria, which is a, a condition affecting a group of persons characterized by excitement or anxiety, irrational behavior, or beliefs or inexplicable symptoms of illness. Huh? Isn't that weird? Well, I know there's the famous or infamous uh the the dancing plague of like 14 something mm -hmm. or another it was yep, that's where that comes from that's yeah comes uh from. and you read about it and you're just like huh what yep. just they just started sporadically dancing didn't people die because they danced themselves mm -hmm. to death over yep. a period of time it was just no, no remember, reason it just started happening remember apparently. though history is not always absolute it's not always 100% right. accurate. So the interpretation... This was also like 1498. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe I should actually look it up. Well, it, again, it, it, I think that what I meant to make clear is that history is important as long as you understand why something occurred, how something occurred, and what happened. It, it doesn't... 1518. So that's not too long ago. It's not too 15, long ago. 1518? It's not. It's not too long ago. No, I it's, guess it's, in the grand scheme of things, grand scheme no, of things, it's, it's not, not that long ago. And, and, and comparatively to all of human existence, it's not at all. Now, I mean, we've only been able to keep history in an accurate way for only X amount of time, which is why, as I said earlier, it's very difficult to relate to things, relate things to the past, because past a certain point, you can't. There's there's a barrier there. Um, and it's the same thing with this mass hysteria thing. I think people, they look at the historical context of instances like this, be it the you know the, inf the influenza, the Spanish plague, um, the, Spanish, the Spanish flu of 19, the early 1900s. They look at that and they... They think that people were much different then. They weren't. They were not different. You are not different than the people that existed 100 years ago. I'm sorry to break it to you. You may be using technology as different. Your cultural if proclivities they had if may be George different. If George Washington had access to TikTok. We'd all be doomed. America wouldn't <laughs> exist. Um, it's, it's, uh, my point is uh, people have this uh, almost cognitive dissonance naturally to where they, they, they think that the people of the past are so different. They're not different. They're not different than you. They and just had different social constructs and Different inventions. social constructs. Yep, 100%. Um, now, I think groupthink and group shift and mass hysteria, they all intertwine. I, I think that, you know, not in the sense that people in, gr in groups are uniquely susceptible. I, I think that that's undeniably true. Um, but I think that each of these issues plays a part in the abject disillusionment that each American seems to hold for those that are not among their tribe. Um, be it cultural, political, or otherwise. Sure. I think yeah. that the difficulty is that, you know, the further down the path in each individual travels in this fear or this tribalism with their collective, um, the more difficult it is to reason with them as the, uh, as the fear clouds their reasoning. Like, so like group think spawns into group shift, which eventually turns into mass hysteria. You can't out logic fanaticism. You just can't do it. People want to believe what they want to believe. And sadly enough, we're at the point right now where everyone who's doing what they're doing wants to believe it's true, mm -hmm. whether it is or not. And it could turn out to be a big ha ha ha, and they will still hold to the fact that they held to because they want to believe it, which right. 
says a lot about our society and says a lot about people in general. It says a lot about people who are unwilling, like you said, to admit that they're, they've been wrong. But everyone is. That's the I, thing. Well, I know. And well, they're not everyone's unwilling. Mm, but I think depends on I, I think it's an uncomfy feeling. You don't like saying and no one likes being like, oh, I made a mistake or mm. I was wrong or I perpetuated wrong information i don't think unless you're an actual troll who's doing it on purpose you don't like to feel like that well that's a whole different ballpark over there i think most people intentionally yeah want to be sharing and doing and the the thing they feel is right well again though and tie this back to to fear and understanding of fear and how it clouds your clouds your clouds how it clouds your logic is that at that point you're not going to even consider admitting wrong you're not and then you start looking at the other side whatever it is as one of two things either incredibly mind-numbingly stupid Mm -hmm. or incredibly evil Mm-hmm. So, so you look at those two things. Both are both wrong. are horrible and both wrong. Are wrong. Both are horrible and wrong. And and look, I'm not to suggest that in this these these opinion statements. I'm not suggesting that either narrative is correct because I think both of them have rings of truth, and both of them have a lot of rings of falsehood. And not to suggest that you know you. It, not to suggest that there's not something bigger going on. There always is something bigger going on that no one knows what's going on. No one has an idea except Alex Jones, maybe. Um, and I say that facetious, facetiously. But again, I do say that facetiously. Again, though, it's the problem I guess I'm pointing at is these whole thing. This whole thing has been caused by a, a promulgation of fear and you know, truthfully, I don't really know what the answer is. I really don't. Uh, this is not an answer. I don't have an answer for anyone listening. Um, you know, I would say courage, as you said earlier, but one man's courageous donning of suggested protection is another man's vision of cowardice and vice versa. So I, I don't know what the answer is because it's, it's, you know, courage isn't really the truthful response to this since everyone has their own interpretation of what that may mean. Um, now, I guess the reasonable response would to say a few quotes from reasonable men. I think that might be the only response that I have, um, you know, and let those who are listening, I guess, determine for themselves. Um, I guess that's the only way to really end this podcast episode, um, mm-hmm. because it, it, you know, knowledge is only useful if you're able to come to the conclusion that you're able to come to yourself. If someone else tells you something and you don't listen to it; it's useless. And right, it's, it's the reason why so many "quote unquote" debates don't work. Yeah, well, debates, debates, work, but the problem again, people look at debating. I mean, I mean, like with big quotations around it. I'm not saying well, they're actual yeah. debates; no. they're just like entertainment. Actual debates, well, actual debates are like entertainment. It's a, it's an art. But again, I, I get what you're saying. Is it's it's not uh, the answer to this 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 quandary that we have found ourselves in these days is not uh, a long drawn out argument or a, a, a political debate or a discussion between lawyers and a few good men it's it's 100 percent um a, a a matter of self-analysis that that people will have to come to they'll have to be able to bring themselves to that and i don't know if that's the case i don't know if that's going to happen um mm-hmm. so i don't mean to be a party pooper but that's my position on things um, but I guess we'll, we'll get to the, the quotes. Uh, first one is from Christopher Hitchens, who is a British-American journalist and writer. 
Uh, he was born in 1949 and lived until 2011. Uh, elementary, elementary rules of logic. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. So yeah. I would say that that is more of a quote on, you know, it's even probably a quote on what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of what we talked about is is very anecdotal. It's very subjective. Um, and really, you know, logic in a lot of ways is not the answer to everything. But the important part is that if applied correctly, you can come to the appropriate ends to your own interpretation of something. Yeah. Um, now... I, I think another one that I really appreciated that when I was doing research on this episode, um, you know, when dealing with people, remember that you are not dealing with creatures of logic, but dealing with creatures of emotion. And right. that is from Dale Carnegie, who was an American one. author, uh, born in 1888 and then passed away in 1955. And I think what's important about that, especially in the context of this discussion, is that everyone has their own reasons for things. Everyone has their own view of something. Now, I can objectively think that someone is wrong. I think that is totally fine. I think society, same with everyone else. I think society has kind of lost that truth that objective criticism makes things better. It doesn't ruin things. If you're on an effort to try and better yourself or hell, if you're on an effort to try and get out of a problematic situation, criticism, as long as it's objective and as long as it's um, not abusive, should be accepted, should be yearned for. You, how do you become better if you don't mm -hmm. criticize? How how do you how do we get out of this situation if we aren't able to look at ourselves and the people that are leading us through it? And how how do we get out if we can't criticize them? Right. Where can we see? Where can the improvements be made? One hundred percent. And it's you can't make improvements if you're unwilling to listen to somebody, even if they disagree with you. Because here's the thing: at the end of the day, if they disagree with you and you don't like what they say, don't listen to it. You wouldn't listen to it anyway. So what's the point? Like, you just don't like hearing it. I mean that that's 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 silly. That's immature. And and if you didn't like hearing it, it's is it annoying or is it because it's ringing a little too true with you and you don't like being wrong? Which ties into pride, which ties eventually back into fear. Right. Um, another one uh, from Sam Harris, uh, who's an American philosopher. If someone doesn't value evidence, what evidence are you going to provide to prove that they should value it? If someone does and value logic, what logical argument could you provide to show the importance of logic? think that again ties into what dale carnegie said you know we can't if people don't value these it's like what i said earlier if some people are just they don't they want to believe what they want to believe and there's no amount of evidence there's no amount of information there's no amount of anything that will dissuade them from their belief it's like uh, with flat earthers if i walk into a flat earther convention i could show them anything and everything and not, not now by the way with that being said i'm not making a direct comparison I'm really not. I'm just utilizing this as an anecdote, and I'll do one better after this. But it's like flat earthers. If I walk into a flat earthers convention, I could provide them with the greatest evidence ever that they are incorrect. And sometimes they just don't care. And, and to, yeah. to, to, to satisfy people who may have thought I was uh, making a direct relation to some of their beliefs, uh, imagine walking into a capitalist or Republican convention um, or a convention of people who believe that the earth is circular and providing evidence to them of the contrary. A lot of them will probably laugh in your face. Goes a lot of different directions here. This is a, this is, we are open to alternative thought here. And this is something I want to make abundantly clear is that this applies across the board. You, every single person that we speak to, every single person that you know, I know, they are all individuals. They all have valid opinions. They all have valid feelings. They are real. 
And they, and sometimes they just won't get on board with what you're saying. And that just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to change someone's mind once it's made up. Sometimes and then when to. you are able to change it, it's very hard to change it back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, we're not meant to. Really, mm-hmm. the discussion of debating or a discussion in general is not is not sole its sole purpose is not to convince someone of their own you know ineptitude that's not the purpose of it It makes no sense why would that that would be such a contradictory way of going about things so anti um constructive uh, be deconstructive just to, to always think that every conversation is to prove someone wrong just it doesn't make any sense and now it's funny coming from me because people probably think oh you care about you know, i do have opinions but i'm okay with you know people having other opinions even though they're wrong um, that's a joke. <laughs> um, now I guess the next quote I picked, uh, from probably one of my favorite singers, uh, Frank Sinatra is attributed to him. So let's you know, say it was a grain of a grain of salt. Take this with a grain of salt. Uh, he lived, he was born in 1963, lived 2016. Uh, fear is the enemy of logic. There is no more deliberate, deliberating. Uh, there is no more debilitating, crushing, self-defeating, sickening thing in the world to an individual or to a nation. Now that is a little extreme. But I think he makes a good point. Um, Not in the sense I don't think we shouldn't be afraid, but in the sense that we shouldn't allow fear to debilitate us, to crush us, and to allow it to become a self-defeating habit. And I think a lot of people have done that. I think it goes back to what I had said way back in the beginning of the podcast with fear not being a bad thing inherently. You know, when I see fire... I fear getting burnt so I don't stick my hand in it. That but you don't stop using fire. But I also am not scared of lighting a match and lighting a candle and sitting by a fireplace. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it just comes down to reaction and what you do in the face of fear. And yeah, I don't light my house on fire because I understand that would be the wrong thing to do because the fire would destroy everything and hurt me and do all those things. Uh, You're not about lighting your house on fire? I thought that was all the rage. Oh, yeah. Well, if, <laughs> if it's in vogue, maybe. But um, so fear is, in my opinion, not necessarily the problem. It's the the paralyzation because of the fear. It's not acting upon that fear in light of knowing that you can handle that fear. You can manage that fear in a way that actually gets you spurred into motion and actually doing something to get you out of that situation. Well, yeah, it's like it's like all the suggestions that are ever given to anyone in, in an emergency situation. Don't panic. I mean, something right. happened. You, you, look, I think this, again, when I say that you know fear is a problem, I think people just genuinely don't understand it. They haven't taken the time to understand that a lot of it is deceptive. It can be easily manipulated, as I said. Um, There's no good way to explain to someone that they are being manipulated by fear if they don't understand the very potentiality, I guess that's a word, um, I think, uh, of them being manipulated to that degree. Like It's like me trying to convince you that the world that you know, it's it's like the Matrix. It's like I walk out, I'm Morpheus. And you're like, I'm Neo. What's up, dude? I'm Keanu. Wow. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling. Why are we here? I know the very basics. Morpheus, I have an opinion. I have an idea. You've been stuck. The thing that you know, what is it that you <laughs> seek? The Matrix, dude. Wow. Take the blue pill. 
like sound it's, just like Keanu. Yeah, like so. I'm, Ke- I'm Keanu Reeves, <laughs> Bill and Ted. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that most guess, excellent, most excellent. Um, I guess that that's my point though. Is in in reality, movies. Oh God, the newest one was not good. The old <laughs> ones though, old Matrix films were fantastic. But in reality. The point that they make is it's it's and, and the new one was making that point too. It, it it's so very hard to convince someone of something when they are so unaware of or, that potential thing that they to, don't want to be convinced. Well, yeah, exactly. It's so hard to convince someone of something, even if it's the truth, if they don't want it to be true. If they think of denial. Well, I don't uh, even think it comes down to denial. I think it comes down to the fact that if you're not interested, you won't show up. Like it's like with it's like with it, like let's use uh, magicians. Let's use fortune tellers for example. I have no desire to listen to a fortune teller, not because I have assumptions about them as people, even though I think their occupation is a little quacky, but because I have no interest whatsoever in what they're going to tell me, because it's it's broad space, it's broad, um, broad stroke evaluation it's broad stroke analysis you could say literally anything and people because they're humans and humans unfortunately me included are very stupid we are likely to believe whatever someone tells us it's like you asking for directions from a stranger instead of people you're you're in the car with or me vice versa it's a very weird social construct there because you have don't know this person you have no way of vetting them on whether they're an honest person they could tell you anything you could drive up and ask me yo how do you get down to San Diego? And I could say, okay, you're going to go north uh, up the 15, and then you're going to drive for about 18 hours. You're going to reach San Francisco. Then you're going to go east into, uh, into you know, you're going to go east. You're going to go so far to Maine. And once you reach Maine, you'll be in San Diego. And if you don't know any better, you'll say, okay. That's why, like, when you look back in history before, like, the the advent of technology to the point where it is, and we can reach, you can, we can see literally any piece of information we want to, for the most part, um, at the you know at, at the, the tip of our fingertips, or the, you know, in, in a in a second. Uh, before then, people were just trusting. That's why you have people like Ted Bundy and 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 all those ind- individuals that were in- unbelievably evil, running around getting away with it. It's because people just trusted. There's no mm-hmm. other way to do it. Why would someone want to le- mislead you? You know. Yeah. And, and I guess uh, you know when it comes to this. You know, I guess the final final quote um, from one of my favorite historical figures. Um, so many, so many titles, but he was a political ethic, ethicist, which I think was most important. Uh, Gandhi. Uh, he was born in 1869, died in 1948. Um, unfortunately, I think it was assassination. Right. Um, it is weakness which breeds fear, and fear breeds distrust. It needs more than a heart of oak to shed all fear, except the fear of God. The fear of the judge within us is more terrible than that of the one without. Fear of death makes us devoid both of valor and religion. Hmm. That's poignant. And uh, I mean, I think, I guess the, the what I guess what I can say to to kind of wrap up the topic, you know, any listeners out there, believe what you want to. I, I'm not telling you how to how to think. I I, I think that everyone is has valid in a, in a lot of ways people have valid opinions i'm not gonna say everyone's right because i think that there are objectively wrong things out there um with that being said uh, i think the best way to come out of this if you're feeling inundated with fear if you're feeling inundated with the circumstance of 2020 volume three 
If you're listening to the silky, sultry voice of the wolf and Beowulf. Yes, the silky, sultry voice. I think the, the best thing that I could suggest or maybe advise you on, if I were to say anything, or maybe a nugget of of a truth that brought me peace in this is that we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes worrying about something that you don't know what the outcome will be is 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 torturing yourself. There's no reason to do it. No. No, there isn't. I mean, just tor- torturing yourself like that, you're just going to suffer twice if, if anything's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not... It's just worry. Yeah. And there's no... And here's the thing. Like, I... I, I as someone who has dealt with loss, um, as everyone has, you, there's nothing you can do. And, and I'm not to suggest that we can't, you know... Uh, feel frustrating frustrated with that but to suggest that it's best to reconcile with that now so you're at peace when something does happen and you can go through the motions of what it is properly and effectively it's best to do that now than to spend your entire life life that you only get to experience one time Mm -hmm. wrapped up in something that is out of your control Exactly. And uh, let me just end on my favorite quote of all time said by the great Gandalf in The Fellowship of the Ring, actually written by J.R.R. Tolkien. So, of course, it was technically his quote. But uh, Gandalf responds to Frodo, who's talking about how he he wishes... um, What's going? If if I hope you know what Lord of the Rings is, whoever is listening. But Frodo's talking about how he wishes it wasn't happening during his time while he's been alive, and I think a lot of us can resonate with that. The past two years, and however much longer it's going to be, that we may not wish this happened during our time. And Gandalf says, "So do I, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is with what we do with the time that is given us." Hey everyone, this is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bolt Podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build The Wolf and Bull Cult. I mean, uh, The Wolf and Bull Family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.